1: Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and welcome back to part two of my um, portfolio podcast. Now, as I said, um, I'm on the road at the moment seeing staff, etc. I'm on a driving tour to catch up with lots of staff because of this whole COVID-19 isolation. I can't have all my staff in one area and and plan out and we're now at the end of the financial year. So... Um, staying in a few B&Bs and hotels and trying to spread the love as as they say and hopefully you enjoyed part one where we talked about specific risk and market risk we talked a bit about um, the two uh, critical areas of portfolio construction and those um, being managing risk and now we're going to get a little bit more into money management and um, that sort of area now hopefully as I said you enjoyed the first part of it but I really am finding nowadays that people aren't just really um, doing their portfolio construction like shooting a shotgun into the wind or, you know, throwing something, you know, a whole lot of feathers around and hopefully something sticks or catches. Uh, and that's how a lot of people are actually doing their portfolio construction. But we've also seen a huge growth in people setting up self-managed super funds over the last sort of decade, you know. Um, after the GFC, before the GFC, we did have a lot of people, but after the GFC, people said, well, if I'm going to lose money, then I might as well be blamed for it, so I'm going to set up a self-managed super fund and um, you know, put all my money into my stocks and manage it all myself. But A lot of people realised they didn't have the knowledge and so uh, we had this big boom in this area, then it flatlined and then um, people started getting back out of them again and now we're getting more people getting back into them again. Um, Self-managed super funds are a fantastic way for you to manage your own super fund. I really do think so. But my condition is you educate yourself. It's not about doing the same things you did with everything you were doing prior to it. If you're not prepared to educate yourself on the investing side of it and how to invest properly with it. Then you shouldn't have one, um, and I found people were just trying to buy property with it, and that's also an issue just trying to buy property. And that was a big boom for a few years, but you do need to balance out your self managed superfarm portfolio if you do have some property, and you need to have a lot of shares in it as well to balance things out. Basically, on what I'm talking about here is market risk, specific risk. But let's get back into I I finished off my last podcast on this, my first part one, sorry, and talking about. You know, portfolios are over-diversified and having between 8 and 12 stocks. And you remember I was chatting about this lady that had some 30 to 40 stocks. Now, interestingly, people think the more stocks they've got, the more money they're going to make or the more opportunity to make money. But what actually happens is you don't have enough money in any one stock. When it does take off, it doesn't affect your portfolio very much. Because let's face it, you don't get twice the benefit from holding 20 stocks than you do from holding 10 and you certainly don't get 10 times the benefit from holding 100 than 10. It's just not statistically probable um, and you don't. Now given this it seems unrealistic to justify what anyone would put in. All the time the effort to analyse and find stocks when the diversification benefit is so small and you're not going to make more money because the more stocks you hold the more you're going to be mediocre in your return the more you'll average the index. And that's where I talked about on my first part, saying roughly the top 20 stocks or roughly around about half of the All ordinary Index. So when you're getting outside of that, you're buying more and more and more stocks, you're gonna be more and more average with your return. Um, and that's not including all the paperwork and all the headache, and as I said, all the research, and you're also giving your account a bit of a pain by buying more stocks, or a lot more stocks. But obviously most people want to improve their returns in their portfolio, and it makes sense just to get rid of stocks. Um, or a lot of stocks because what I found is that people with these big over diversified portfolios about one third are going up, one third are going down, and one third are going sideways. So it's pretty obvious if you want to improve your returns in that portfolio, just get rid of the stocks that go down or sideways. And because all, after all, we only ever want to hold stocks that are rising in price, don't we? Now, over the many years I've been supporting traders and investors in the stock market, I've seen portfolios like this lady with 30 stocks or more and like again we're in june 2020 and i was talking to somebody a very intelligent lady studying a phd you know in her 40s had you know in the health industry very experienced professional and had 30 35 whatever stocks so it's still going on this was going on 20 years ago people having big portfolios and all the in advent of technology hasn't changed this but as I said, every every time I find that, I find 130 going up, 130 going down, 130 going sideways. And as she's told me, she's getting average to poor returns and she's not doing very, very well. The bottom line is that if you all you'd done was, as I said, remove shares falling in price, your returns would be much better. That's because what's happening is, is the shares that are falling in value are eroding all the ones from the profiting ones. So you're getting a very average return. That just makes sense. If you've got shares rising, shares falling, the ones falling are taking your profits of the ones rising. But let's get into my second critical area in constructing a portfolio, which is your money management. Now, regardless of whether you consider yourself a trader or an investor, money management really is critical to success in achieving good returns on your portfolio. And in fact, the two elements, risk and money management work hand in hand. Now, if we put half our money into one share, and the remainder into another seven, then our specific risk could be very high. Now I'll say that again. If you put 50% of our money into one share, and the other 50% into seven, our specific risk is high because we've got 50% of our risk in one share. Remember we talked about that in the last podcast. Don't do it. But to reduce your risk, we need to ensure the amount we invest in each share is no more than 20%, okay? Critical point, no more than 20% in any one share. Now if you're an investor holding between 8 and 12 stocks, which is where I suggest most people be, that means they invest between 8 and 12% of their total portfolio in each stock. So if you want 8 stocks in your portfolio, you put 12% roughly in each position. If you want 12 stocks in your portfolio, you roughly invest 8% in each position. So that's really what we're talking about here. And that will reduce your specific risk to an acceptable level. Now as a trader the amount you invest in each share may be a little bit greater as I said five shares is okay if you're an experienced trader although again you should never invest more than 20% in any one share of your total capital in any one share. So now you've got the basic framework in how to construct a portfolio let's have a look to select stocks that you should place in your portfolio that'll give you a high chance of being consistently profitable. Now the list of shares for your portfolio that you select will depend on the time you have available, your resources and the goal of your portfolio. You need to be congruent with you, not just selecting anything out there. And this was another challenge this lady was having. She was just selecting stocks that she thought might be okay, but there are specific stocks you should have for specific types of portfolio, whether it's a super fund or a blue chip or a long-term growth, short-term, there are different stocks you should be looking at. That said, the vast majority of Australians I recommend not straying or getting outside those top 150 stocks on the Australian market for the following reasons. Because they're highly liquid, they're profitable, they're the best managers or their best um, CEOs in Australia, they produce um, their stocks are heavily bought by institutions, they pay good dividend yields, they're reliable in terms of the information and what you need to get from them. Uh, and the chances of any of those companies going broke is very, very small. And over a 10 year period, generally these stocks will produce good returns. If you want to buy cheap stocks and you want to go under a dollar, some of those companies will go broke. You'll pull your hair out um, investing in some of those. So just stay with good stocks. But unfortunately, many newcomers to the stock market mistakenly like this lady believe that investing in blue chip stocks is too expensive and that buying cheap stocks really is the best method for achieving higher returns. But if you've been watching my YouTube channel and watching the live show, you'll understand that investing or that belief costs people money because it hinders their ability to generate profits. Because they're investing, they're doing what I call the buy and pray method. And when I said that to this lady, um, her eyes lit up, and she goes, "Yeah, that's probably much, pretty much what I'm doing. I'm just buying stuff that I hope that's going to go up." Um, so, in other words, you're speculating that a cheap stock will outperform big blue chip stocks and while it does happen on occasions it's a very very hit and miss game and what happens is the opposite becomes true most of the time because the fact is you want to buy quality blue chip stocks not quantity um, and because that's where you get the greatest sustainable longer term gains at the lowest risk and it's really been performed on the concentrated portfolios perform far better and provide lower levels of risk than over-diversified portfolios. Therefore, when you construct your portfolio, you should look to hold, as I said, between 5 and 12, preferably between 8 and 12 shares, only invest in the top shares on the market. And if you take this low-risk methodical approach to your investing and building your portfolio over a longer term, then 9 times out of 10, you're going to get far higher returns than if you try and beat the market average by picking the next stock or the next boom stock, which a lot of people try and do, and or investing in an index ETF. So you'll do better than that. So if you want a little bit more detail on it, just get my book. Um, I do talk about all of this in a little bit more detail in my book. So uh, get my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice. Um, That's it for this podcast series. I'm Dale Gilliam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and you've been listening to Talking Wealth. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening.